Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we apply for angelic credit cards, but are turned down when we don't have enough hearts. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how is it going? It's going pretty good. I have been slowly making my way through a Caravan of Courage, which is one of the Ewok movies that got put on Disney Plus last week. I feel like as a uh, um, self-professed Star Wars fan, I've never seen the Ewok movies, and so I'm glad that they're available even if it is taking me some time to like chew through the grit that is this movie a little bit. Uh, well, I'm glad that you are doing your homework on that and like actually working through it. It doesn't sound... F- are you having fun? I am having fun in the like, 15-minute intervals that I'm watching it where it can like, hold my attention yeah. before yeah. I like, drift and uh, realize that I'm like, not paying attention anymore at all. But in those 15 minutes... I admire the craft. Um, they, you know, there was a long time where, uh, like, towards the beginning of the pandemic, when I was doing a lot of just, like, a sort of mindless work from home, um, that I had the Clone Wars on in the background. Um, and that made for it, like, a great... Because, you know, there, there are entire swaths of that show I do not recommend anyone watch, right? Um, but if it's just, like, on in the background and I'm like, I'm not really paying attention to this one. I can look up and see, like, Yoda flipping around. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, and I wonder if that would be the, the proper way to enjoy the Ewok movies. I definitely think you could. Because, like, at least for Caravan of Courage, the plot is very thin. And so it's just, like, a series of, like, self-contained... You think it's going to be different for the other one? <laughs> Anything is possible. They might have learned a lot in a year. Um, but so, you know, like the rest are just self-contained like segments where some like, spoiler alert, something is being attacked by another something. And then a bunch of like teddy bears <laughs> with sticks, you know, um, come to the rescue. So I think you could enjoy it just purely for the um, like background noise. Absolutely. Um, speaking of things you can enjoy just for the background noise, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? It's for the Nintendo Switch. You can if you want to. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my, co- my copy, the copy of Sonic Forces that I own. Uh, and the, the second copy of Sonic Forces that I have purchased because I lost my, lost my first copy. Um, you can play it for as long as you want. You mail it back. Um, and it costs you nothing, but, but here's something that might happen. There might not be Sonic Forces in that Sonic Forces box. There might be a copy of Untitled Goose Game. Tragedy of tragedies. You have to play Untitled Goose Game instead. Of course, you don't have to do anything. There are no rules to this program, um, other than I send it to you and hopefully you send it back at some point. That's, that's, that's literally it. The perfect program. Um, Mark, we are in the midst, or right on the the beginning of Kid Icarus Month. Um, Today, for this episode, we will be discussing the NES classic Kid Icarus. 
Um, next week on April 15th, is that correct? Yes. Uh, April 15th, we will be uh, discussing Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters for the Game Boy. And then on April 22nd, we will be discussing Kid Icarus Uprising. Um, but Mark, we've got the original Kid Icarus to dig into right now. So let's do it. Let's start this discussion. Kid Icarus is a NES game from 1986 uh, that I, I, I kind of want to just start. I, I don't know where to start, but I think, th- I think where to start is like, where, where did we first encounter this thing? Yeah, and I, I, I think we should start there, but as a preamble to that, I think yes. why Kid Icarus Month? And I don't know that we necessarily Great. have like, a great answer for this other than we were kicking around ideas for themed months things we could do and patrick you brought up um the idea of like oh well i'd love to like replay the kid Icarus games or something like that and i'm wondering if you remember like what it where the germ of the idea came from if you had been thinking about these games what necessarily or what if anything brought them to mind well, so I, I I think one of the things that we you know one of the things that we like to do with our themed months, uh, and maybe like last year, uh, last April was uh, sort of the the inverse of this, where we just played like you know the greatest hits on the uh, Super NES. We sort of like to go for like stranger games or like slightly more slept on games. Um, you know, like we did the uh the, like the the bizarre sequels, um, and did uh like Simon's Quest and um Star Tropics Two. And, you know, like a, a couple of other games that are just like bizarre games. And one of the things that you had suggested was like, what if we did a series that have been like sort of forgotten by Nintendo at this point? Um, and that made me think of the huge number of franchises, like, you know, the games that there are multiple entries uh, throughout like the decades um that like seemingly don't exist in any form now except for it, you know being featured in Smash Brothers or something um and so for me Kid Icarus has always been one of those uh, it seems like there's something to the series um but for whatever reason is not revisited uh on either like it just doesn't seem to bubble up to like the top of the conversation even when um Kid Icarus Uprising came out you know 10 years ago when it whenever that was seven years eight whatever um that like it didn't make people reflect back on like the first two games in in the uh in in the franchise um it's just so weird uh that i was like you know what i want to revisit that yeah and i was when you uh mentioned it as a possibility i was like all on board because i've never played any of these games before i know them basically only by reputation and the reputation for like the first game is that it's really challenging that it's like really hard yes and i and you know without tipping like my hand too much i think that is true to a point um and it's maybe actually less that the game is difficult and more that my thesis statement for the game and i I don't want to get like too far ahead now but i think my thesis statement is that this is a game with that is embarrassed by its own systems mm. because it does not tell you it does not tell the player how to play it um and there are so many things happening in this game that like you won't 
understand unless you go looking up in like at for, for other sources. This is interesting. This is interesting. Um, and I think you're right. Before we get too far into it, yeah, let's talk about our first like interactions with the game or the first time that we played it or heard about it or anything. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, th- I mean, I say sure, but I also can't tell you the first time I encountered Kid Icarus because I don't. It, it, to me, this was one of those uh, early NES games that, um, you know, was trying to, you know, like com- competing for my attention uh, amongst Mega Man and Mario and Zelda and all these other games that are more, uh, more obvious in what they are and more obvious in what they ask of you. Uh, and also just like kind of more forgiving. And when, when I make a jump in Mario, I know where Mario is going to land. I can sort of like affect it one way or the other. Um, and if I die, uh, it is likely that I'm not going to go back like super far um, to like try to attempt it again. Same thing with Mega Man. Same thing with Zelda. Like all of these games uh, feel like straightforward and like kind of non-punishing, not super punishing when you die. Um, so like, I'm sure that it was, you know, like a friend had it or a, a family friend's kid had it or something. Uh, and I mean, th- there were decades where the only bit of this game I played was like from the beginning to the first Reaper um, and then like died there and then got sent back to the beginning of the level and was like, oh, forget this. I'm I'm never go. I'm never going to be good at this i'm never going to be able to figure out what this game actually is um so then uh skip forward a very long time uh until the 3ds comes out and the uh 3d classics version of kid icarus is um is released and probably even on on that like maybe two years after um that that came out um i was listening to this is a a, a rare other podcast shout out here um but I was listening to an episode of IGN's uh, Nintendo Voice Chat podcast, and Sam Claiborne was uh, recommending uh, the 3D Classics um, Kid Icarus as one of the best games, like one of the 10 best games on the 3DS at that time. Like they were making a list. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Sam Claiborne, if, if, if you listen to any of, uh, like, he's on Game Scoop uh, as well on, on IGN. And, like, he's got, uh, you know, a, a amazingly weird uh, video game tastes. Um, but uh, he was just representing it so passionately that I was like, okay, I'm going to check. I'm going to check this out. And that's when the game finally clicked for me was in the 3D Classics version. So um, I, I played it all the way through then. Loved being able to just, like, save the game and not have to um you know memorize passwords or whatever um and then uh you know revisited it now for this and even though i was recommending playing it on the uh the 3ds um i ended up playing it all on switch um so that's that that's my journey with uh kid icarus and i i also couldn't tell you when i first became like cognizant of kid icarus but i want to say that it really wasn't until probably um Maybe I was like subscribing to Electronic Gaming Monthly, and this was like in the early 2000s. And when it was being brought up as like a retro game, and it would just have like, you know, like yeah. little shout outs. Maybe it was re released on the Game Boy Advance. Um, and, but it really probably wasn't until when did Pit first appear in Smash Brothers? Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii, right? 
That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And so it really wasn't until then that I had any concept of like Pit and that like the main character in this game is not Kid Icarus. You know, like uh right. <laughs> like it's a real Metroid situation for me. And um and, like the only thing I knew about it was, you know, from like Sean Baby or whoever, you know, like talking about how difficult the game is and it was just kind of this like retro yeah. relic that I never played as a kid. I didn't know it existed as a kid. Um, and so it's always been something that like was out there and I, a little bit like the mother series for me where it's like, okay, like I, totally. you know, I know some stuff about the mother series and I know some stuff about like, uh, earthbound beginnings and some stuff about mother three, but I d definitely have never like played either of those games. And, um, well, so one, one of the things just to, sorry, just to jump in quickly that like, that places this like weirdly in time like you and i are old men right but the game came out in 1986 which means it came out before we were aware of video games right like yeah totally it's it it, it, it is a game that uh even when we were first getting excited about games as young children it was already old and sometimes that's not that big of a deal when there are you know other entries in a series like mario or donkey kong or whatever so you can like revisit those earlier titles uh like through that lens but there just was nothing like that for this for the longest time. Yeah, that that's true. And like, we might, I, I don't know if we'll get into it. Like I have some thoughts as to like what happened to Kid Icarus as this franchise, Um, you know, like, cause they made a solid effort of it. Like you got this game on the Game Boy, this like direct follow-up. And then like you were saying, like nothing until the 3DS. And so it's like, well, why exactly did that happen? And th that's kind of like an interesting you know, this could definitely be Star Tropics. It essentially is if it weren't for this, um, like it yeah. being represented in Smash Brothers and then it getting like this 3DS entry. And so like, it's interesting to go back to this game or I guess really for me, like play it for the first time with the mindset of like, what happened? Like, why did this not really continue? Like, why, are we, why do we not have people pining for like a new Kid Icarus? Because I feel like there's not really, um, th there really isn't that. Like, it's not like Kid Icarus right. is this, like, pillar of Nintendo franchises that feel, uh, fills some, like, specific niche that no other franchise can fill. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I think the, the short answer, but, like, it just raises further questions, is, like, there was no Super Kid Icarus, you know? Um, like, I feel like... The existence or non-existence of a Super Kid Icarus um, is what makes Kid Icarus a different series than Metroid, right? Like, um, if there had been a, a a Game Boy game sequel, which there is for both series, and then a Super Nintendo like refinement to the original, um, that could make that could put Kid Icarus on as solid a like standing, uh, have as clear an identity as Metroid, but like. That just didn't happen. Yeah, ex totally. And I think the question is like, why didn't it why? happen? And, you know, I, I have theories, which is basically like that Nintendo had other franchises that basically did the pieces of Kid Icarus like better, but they just did them separately. And so there wasn't really like a need for another Kid Icarus. Yeah. So should we talk about what those... Um, like pieces are and what this game like 
actually is. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it because I actually went into this not knowing about the second part because it is essentially like a, a platformer and then like the majority of it is a platformer and then at the end of each world is like um kind of like a mini like suit like metroid-esque uh dungeon crawler yeah or or like a, a almost sort of a zelda dungeon but in 2d yes yeah yeah and yeah. when i when i when i say zelda i mean the legend of zelda the original nes game like there are no um like through throughout the the dungeons there's no puzzle solving mm-hmm. it's all like exploration and uh like resource gathering and uh, resource spending as well um so that's yeah and the 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 thing that makes the platforming in this game uh unique or at least uh, unique to my eyes uh on uh, especially on the nes is that the majority of it is on a vertically scrolling uh level that that you are, are are jumping up always um and that the camera follows you and will not uh, will not backtrack so you can easily very easily um lose the platforms you were just standing on because you have jumped uh, like a little bit too high <laughs> uh, and then pit falls to his death um but also this is not always true because all of world 2 is a side scrolling platforming uh it, adventure um which c- makes the like shifts the focus a little bit more to like the combat side of it um where and you know like a pit is armed with a a bow and arrow basically he gets a few other um like power ups that sort of like change his relationship to um the 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 rest of the world but it's mostly just like you have a bow and arrow and like that's it um and then yeah so there's there's uh three worlds and then the final world is like a uh, how how do you describe world four? How do you describe the 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 heavens? Yeah, it's a it beco- turns into like a side scrolling shooter. Yeah, it becomes like a totally different game in the final level. So one of the one of the things in this game that I have like the have historically had the toughest time like wrapping my head around is uh the game's economy, um and like what you buy when you buy it and like what the point of any of it is um because i i think this game has a confusing like impenetrable visual language um that like there are items that do things that don't really make sense as to why that item is doing that thing do you know what i mean yeah i i do know what you mean the the one that comes to mind for me so one of the big mechanics about like the dungeon uh at the end of each world is there is no like um you don't start out with a map so you know there's very it's not linear right. there's various entrance and exits to every room and you can you can like brute force your way through it just through trial and error but like there are elements of it that like make you not want to do that like one of the enemies in those parts of the game are called eggplant wizards and they are tossing eggplants and uh These guys. if one of them hits <laughs> if one of them hits you you turn into an eggplant, and so you are not able to attack. The only thing you can do is, like, run and jump. And so you have to make your way to a, a room that is somewhere in the dungeon um, that is, like, a hospital that'll heal you. And usually it's, uh, it, they're not, the hospital is not always close to rooms where an eggplant is. So sometimes you have to, or an eggplant wizard is. So sometimes you have to do a lot of backtracking. So one thing that you, one item that you can pick up in the uh these dungeons is like a map but then once you have the map 
you still need like two. The map itself is useless, <laughs> yeah. You still need two right? other items in order to be, or at least one other item to be able to like, um, uh, start like mapping your progress and to distinguish right. where you are in the dungeon and where you've been. The map itself, all it does is reveal that there's an eight by eight grid. That's it, <laughs> and like that's that's all of them. That's all three maps. Uh, it's just an eight by eight grid. And then once you have that, you need the torch, which illuminates your specific space on on the map, and that's so the, you can see where you are. And that's the one where I'm like, I can't even tell what this like is supposed to be a representation of in the game, like on screen what yes. I'm looking at. And so like the pencil is the other item, and that one makes sense. Like you're like, okay, great. Like I have this blank map. I have a pencil. But then there's this other like thing that I that is expensive, yeah. and I have to earn a lot of hearts in order to like uh, purchase it. But I don't even know what it does. Well, and this is the place where the economy of the game is absolutely borked, right? Because like, especially the, in the first dungeon that you get to, um, you know, when it's like, okay, now spend 180 um, hearts on the pencil or the 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 torch i forget exactly what their prices are but it's a lot right like a normal enemy will give you one heart a sort of more difficult uh enemy will give you five hearts and something like an eggplant wizard will give you 10 um but like you're also trying to stay alive in these things and you're like okay well there's there's the cup which you can uh get to drink which will restore your health and that's 210 hearts like it's expensive to do anything and then also like one of the other little mechanics in the dungeons is that you're supposed to be uh using hammers to set the centuries free um and i mean you, you know uh, mileage varies on like how useful they are um but they they join you in in the final boss fight in each of these dungeons and each of those costs each hammer each hammer costs 20 hearts and then you have to find a century statue use the hammer on the statue to free the century and so like and there there are upwards of like 20 of those in each of in each of the uh the dungeons so like your costs add up fast um and especially when you're like i don't know what this one does why do i want the barrel for example <laughs> well did you do you know did you know about the haggling mechanic what okay no how do you haggle <laughs> so that's one of the weird things about this game is that there are so many like hidden or unexplained features that i genuinely don't know how you're supposed to how you're supposed to learn about them. because i went up and i went and looked up the original like nes manual for the game um thinking that ah like some of these features like haggling like how many uh points you have to get at the end of a level to gain strength like all that sort of stuff would be explained it is not i i found out about this because i was looking i looked up a guide to uh help me through the dungeons because i was like i don't want to map this out uh how do i just like get through this dungeon and um there was something about like oh go to the shop and use the haggling mechanic and i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. what so basically when you are in a shop tell me about this yeah what is this so if you're in a shop and your strength as a character is higher than um, the world that you are in. So, like, if you are okay. in world one and your strength is two, then you can haggle with the shop owner. And basically what you do, I think in the original game, it's press A and B at the same time. 
um but or maybe i can't remember what it is in because i played the um the 3ds version of it and in that one it's like uh you press the y button and the select button at the same time or something like that and what it does is if you are if your strength is higher than the world that you're in then um it, it reduces the prices in like the the shop owner will be like okay you're right and he'll like lower the price sometimes by like half but if you if you're if you try to haggle and your your strength is lower than the world that you're in so if you have like two strength and you're in world three and you try to haggle then he'll like be like uh-uh no way and he doubles the price or he raises the oh. price significantly so that's how you can like get some of these items for significantly cheaper um is by haggling but again how you're supposed to know how anybody ever found out about haggling i don't have any idea because it's not mentioned anywhere it's not mentioned anywhere yeah and it's uh, yeah and 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 the game is full of stuff like this like i i I wanted to I, i didn't point it out when we were talking about it but like you know we are talking about the eggplant wizards and they throw eggplants and if they hit you with one you turn into an eggplant and like what is that you know like <laughs> none of the like most other video games and you know maybe nintendo is actually the the company that bucks this trend more than anyone but like you know you get hit with a fireball you catch on fire and you're like okay i understand like the logic logical progression of these things um there is like an economy of visual language that's telling me what i need to know and kid icarus seems to not care about that sort of thing um Kid Icarus is the kind of game where you are fighting a flying, like, Groucho Marx uh, glasses, nose, and mustache that's flying around a, a level because that's a weirder enemy. Like, it could be, it could be like a bat, right? It could be something that you know flies around and, like, you should be scared of. Um, but the game is just like, no, whatever, we speak our own language. Yeah, and, like, I think, like, some of it is like haggling for instance right it's like oh that's like an interesting mechanic and i could see how it's like a fun easter egg if somebody discovered that it's real it's very rusty's real deal baseball and i am all about that Mm -hmm. but the fact that it is kind of like the to me the economy of the game like you were saying like how many hearts you need in order to purchase items especially if you don't like even for me even with haggling sometimes i was like i don't have enough money to pay for this but without haggling, then you're like, how am I supposed to get 500 hearts? Like, how, like, how is that even, right. like, possible to buy this one chalice to get, like, one, uh, like, uh, uh, unit of health back? Um, and so it's like, yeah. so it's the mechanic of haggling, that's fun. And if it was explained, like, I don't expect a game of this vintage to explain that mechanic, like, in the game itself. But if it was explained in the manual or something, or at least gave a hint to it in the manual then it's like oh okay like that's fun that's like a cheeky way to do this and i think a lot of the mechanics in this are like cheeky in that sort of way but the where it falls short is that it's so opaque that it makes like if you don't know these cheats if you don't know this stuff and the game goes out of its way to not tell you about it then like it just makes the game like too hard like not fun yeah, well, and it, you know, like to to that point of like being, uh, like too hard and or, uh, not fun. Um, you know, we already mentioned that the the eggplant wizards have this like ability to have this like attack that damages you in a way that feels permanent, right? Because like you, then you got to backtrack to this, uh, you know, a hospital area to get unegplanted. Um, 
and maybe you don't even know where that is yet. Um, but like there are also these uh these little dudes that uh hop around that steal your um your weapon upgrades. Um and if they hit you and you can't kill them, right? They they just like hop around. You just have to avoid them. Um but if they hit you, they take away uh you know one of your weapon upgrades and that can be um the in- increased range on your bow um that little like shield thing that uh floats around you or the like fire arrows that have like a little like zigzaggy pattern to to your shot and all those things are great upgrades to have but it feels like you're being tortured when those upgrades are taken away from you yeah I, well and uh the it's like uh, the crystals of protection or whatever they're called they're like two little crystals yeah. that um swirl around you and to form like a protective shield against some enemies it doesn't seem like it affects all enemies i might be wrong there right but that that's another one where it's interesting because uh you can have the upgrade in your possession but if your health drops below i think it's like three units of health then you're not able to use them and that's not explained in the game like the manual right. says like you have to have a certain amount of health in order to use them but it's not like clear on what exactly that is so it's another one where you're like where when i initially like purchased these things and then it's like why is this not working like what am i doing wrong like what am i right not understanding and you never know yeah yeah that being said like i i liked this game like i had fun with this game uh more than i expected to like i expected it to be unfairly difficult but i played the 3ds version and i did not find that to be the case at all um but then i tried to play the nes version to see what the differences were and uh that version of the game is not fun well yes so this is uh i I guess let's let's move into like the sort of differences between the two games um and because it is so small the the difference between uh the way pit jumps um and in in the 3ds uh 3d classics and the original it's just it is the difference between like just the way he falls yeah. right just the bottom of his jump is different that if you are pushing the a button like kind of rapidly to sort of like simulate him flapping his wings as he lands he slows a little bit and you can you know correct a jump um and you like you need jump correction in this game because pit is kind of slippery um, especially for the amount of platforming they make you do on platforms that are one pit length wide. And if you miss that jump, you die. <laughs> um, well, especially like you said, in the first yeah. level, it's like vertical scrolling. So you're climbing up out of this level. And uh, and so if you fall off, you know, something and the screen has moved up to the point where like the uh, platforms that used to be below you are no longer like visible on the screen. You just fall right off the screen and you die. And then you move into the yes. second world, and the second world is all vertical or all horizontal scrolling. And so it's much easier because like um there's a lot less of that like disappearing platforms. So you have like much yes. sure footing. But so I I think the jump makes like a huge difference for sure. But like in, in a lot of other ways, like the other like quality of life improvements they made to the game just make it so much less infuriating to play like um your progress is like automatically saved so that of course is huge because the original kid icarus game is uh it's it's a password based so if you like die even one time 
there's no like life system or anything. So if you die, you, all you get is like, oh, your game is over. Here's like a 16 digit password that you can write down and then manually enter. And, uh, you know, on the right. uh, NES Switch Online, you can just rewind and like start over. Um, you know, you can go back like a few seconds, but if you need to redo a whole level, you're better off just like restarting and because entering the password is just a nightmare. Uh, right. And so, and so like on the 3DS Classics version, you're doing like a level, you die, you start at the beginning of the level. And uh, I think, I don't know exactly how it does it. It might just be like however many hearts you started that level with. It like resets you and you start with like that many um, number of hearts again. And that is like, that's huge. That makes the game, that's like another like small change. But in comparing the two, it's like, oh, this makes such a huge difference in your tolerance of yeah. playing this game. I also, I mean, it, it seems like a small and like hugely superficial thing, but the fact that the 3DS classic uh, version of it adds backgrounds to each of the levels, I find to be super, super helpful. Like um, normally the, uh, the, what you see in the background of, especially the, the first world is just a black screen, right? It's just pit uh, against like a black background. And uh, the only the only places where there are color are like the platforms that you can step on. In the 3D Classics version, like you sort of see like uh, the the landscape of hell in the background, right? It's like uh, rivers of lava and like big red mountains and stuff. Um, and it's fun that it's like obviously a higher fidelity image uh, in the background and then these like chunky 8-bit graphics in in the foreground. But like it just makes the whole thing feel like the setting is so much more obvious and therefore so much more compelling, at least to my eyes. Like, I, I don't know how that read to you. Yeah, totally. And I actually played a lot of this in uh, with the 3D turned on, not because it was necessarily helpful to the game, but it, it just it actually looks cool. Like playing this in 3D is yeah. cool. Um, yeah, well, because it's it's just like straight diorama mode, right? Yeah, like it's just totally. like the the ba the background is far away from you, and everything else is close, and like it, it, yeah, that stark contrast is really fun. The other thing I noticed with the 3DS version is that like the enemy movements are more, I guess, like I would say, like consistent, um, in the mm -hmm. sense that in playing uh, a little bit of the NES game, like some of the characters or some of the enemies that will fly in, and like f a group of five or four of them will fly in. And, they're kind of doing this like sine wave pattern around the screen. Uh, on the NES version, they'll like break up faster or like two of them will go one way and then like the other two will start like doing their own thing. And that is much less the case in the 3DS Classics version. It's like when those characters come on screen, they are generally yep. like staying in a group and in a fairly consistent, like recognizable pattern. And just like, that's just another like small thing because the game is, the enemies are like, relentless in this yeah they keep coming well and so i i just uh, to, to speak to that specific point um the nes game is weirdly buggy like especially for a nintendo game there are points where um like entering or or leaving like you know the those rooms um in, in like the first three levels of of any world um where i noticed that like my heart counter was replaced with like images of Pitt's face three times <laughs> um or like if if i'm in a dungeon sometimes a snake will like hit a uh the door on one side and just sort of like teleport to the other side like the 
And, and like, like you say, the sort of like breaking up of, of the enemies that are like supposed to be flying in formation. Like, I think one of them just gets out of sync with the rest uh, of them. Uh-huh. And like the NES just like can't <laughs> keep up with it. And it's like, oh, I don't know. It just goes. Um, like I, I had I th- this time playing through um, and this is the most, you know, I have played uh, Kid Icarus previously, but I, I played this game the most in the last like four days. Um, I have been through the game uh, probably like four times in the last four days um, and like saw a lot of glitches and a lot of just like little performance issues. So I think it is just a better, like a functionally a better game on, on 3DS. I do want to talk about the like um, in the platforming levels, there are kind of like side rooms that you can step into and yes. um they there's a number of like different things that you might encounter in these side rooms and i do want to talk about them a little bit because some of it is like interesting it is also uh again some of those kind of like mechanics that you just kind of have to figure out um it's not really explained to you so uh as you're doing platforming you can uh you'll see different doors and you can go into them one of them is going to is just like enemies begin flying around and it's an opportunity for you to like uh harvest some hearts um yep and then another one will be like a uh a shop and usually it has like you know like the health items or um weapon power ups that sort of thing huge bummer anytime you go into a shop and it has the wrong set of things <laughs> where you're like no or <laughs> i just i just wanted some health or something or if you like just you're like oh darn i needed like 10 more hearts or something like that and as soon as you yeah. leave uh, one of these doors, door closes, door closes forever. <laughs> so you're done. That was your one opportunity to try. Um, another one you might encounter is this room that just like has uh, a bunch of different platforms, and it has there on each platform is like a, a vase or a vase, and you can uh, I don't know I don't know what I don't know which one's the correct. Uh, I think they're both. Right. You think they're both I, right? I think, I think they're both. Okay, right. I think right. they're I'm both gonna right. go with vase. And um, you can, you destroy the vases, and they have different uh, items inside. So they have um, hearts, they have uh, the uh, hammers or whatever you need to like get the mallets, yeah, to get yeah. the centurions out. Um, and then they have actually that might be it. What is the other thing that might be in them? I've I've oh the credit card. I've seen it where right there's the credit card, and then there's also like the little ghost things that the the Grim Reaper can see. Exactly. And so basically, what happens is if you um it as you're breaking the vases if you break one and it has the grim reaper in it then like that's it you're not able to collect any of the stuff that you've broken um but if you like break one and then immediately pick the thing up it is also over so basically what you have to do is you have to um break all of the vases except for one that has the grim reaper in it and then, like, collect the stuff that you can get from all of that kind of stuff. We should talk about the credit card, because I never used it, but it's such, like, a weird mechanic in this game. Uh, Mark, I have also never used the credit card. I know the credit card is in this game. I don't know that I've ever collected it. <laughs> yeah, so the, the credit card is, again, one of these items that you can find in the room with all the vases. And... Um, my understanding of what you can do with it is if you go to a shop and you don't have enough hearts to buy things, you can use the credit card and you can purchase something with the credit card, but then you can't purchase anything again until you have paid off your debt. 
Right. Uh, the the uh, the entry in the instruction book says this allows Pitt to buy on credit when dealing with the black marketer. Um, remember that once Pitt buys on credit, he cannot buy on credit again until he has paid back what he owes. Um, which I can't imagine that much information being conveyed to me on the screen while playing Kid Icarus. Can you? <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, but it's another one of those like quirky like things where it's like, oh, like this is actually like that's a funny idea, like that's an interesting mechanic. Yes. But uh, it's yeah, not really explained anywhere. Although I guess this one maybe in the manual itself. Um, and then there are other like I guess another example. of This is like as far as I know, I'm not sure this is explained anywhere. Sometimes you will encounter rooms where it's just like what looks like uh somebody like a shop owner, but it's I think it's supposed to be like a god or something like that, and that's uh, old. That's old man Zeus. You're referring uh, to old there. man Zeus. If you m- meet certain requirements, old man Zeus will offer you like a power up. But if you don't meet those requirements, like nothing happens in the room. And so, right. Um. Well, and he doesn't just offer you the power up. First, you have to survive a training, right? Oh, sorry. So there are those rooms as well where you have oh, to where you have to survive okay. the training, and which are basically like these little floating tiles that fly around the room and then you have to defeat a certain amount of them. And if you do, then old man Zeus gives you a power up. But there are also other rooms where it literally is just like, if you haven't met those conditions, then you just go in and it just seems like an empty room. But if you have met the conditions, then old man Zeus is there and is like, here, take this. But the conditions are like, again, not explained anywhere that I, uh, not in like the manual or anything. The only way I learned about it was by looking it up. And it's a combination of, like, how many enemies you've killed. So it's, like, if you have, um, you want to have a lot of hearts, but you don't want to have the maximum number of hearts. So it has to be, like, less than 999, but more than, like, 200. Your level has to be, like, certain. Like, there's a bunch of, like, trigger conditions. And if you hit that, then you get this, like, power-up. But if you don't, then it's just, like, an empty room that you're, like, oh, that was weird. Yeah, and all of these things, like... That like your your purchase all the power ups that you're purchasing as you're going through the the first three levels in every world every power up that you earn from uh doing a training with Zeus or from being gifted through all of these things uh are stripped away for the dungeons at the end of every world. Yeah, yeah, and the one that I guess like does persist is uh it's like a bottle of health, and you can yes. um you can hold one at a time, and if you would die then like if you lose all of your health then this will give you one unit of health to let you keep going and the barrel allows you to carry five of those like bottles of health at a time eight eight of them eight according of them. to the manual but yeah yeah um but i mean it's it, it's an absurd amount of hearts that you need to because the <laughs> the barrel itself is like 500 hearts um and then each bottle is like another 200 something so like it, 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 we're talking an astronomical amount of hearts, and you can only have a thousand at a time. Yeah, well, th- that's what I thought was interesting when I was playing through it is because um, I think like there's two ways you can play this game, and the the ending of the game, like the uh, kind of like you get different endings, final like cutscenes, for lack of a better term, better last final screen, you get different final right. screens depending on um, like how many points you earned throughout the game. And so there's really like two ways that you can play this. And initially I was going for like, okay, I got to get like high scores because I want to get at the end of each level, 
your uh those points you've earned in that level get added to your total and as at, when you hit certain like uh benchmarks in total points you get more strength you get like an extra like they're represented in the screen as like an arrow of strength and so your right. attacks become more powerful and so that is helpful but in order to do mm-hmm. that you have to kill a lot of enemies and killing a lot of enemies is dangerous because it's really easy to die and so like enemies take a lot of health when you're trying to fight these enemies it's really easy to fall off so the other way to play it and the what i kind of ended up doing is just like just busting through the levels as fast as possible and just like avoiding enemies making the jumps using the doors because in the game if you go into one of the side rooms when you come out the enemies reset so enemies that were there oh yeah are gone and so super helpful so using yes. that is like a way to just like get through the levels really quickly and so that's what i did like i it bit me in the butt a little bit at the end because when you're fighting medusa it just takes a long time or bosses in general it takes a long time if your strength is low but like it, it was so much easier than trying to get enough hearts for the power-ups because that takes forever yeah, no, absolutely. Like the, ugh. I, I, I think there, there are some places where like, um, the farming for hearts does make sense. But like in the actual levels themselves, um, in, in the first three levels in each world, it does not make sense. Especially in in world one, when you're so weak, um, that like, you know, you've got you've got to shoot the the Grim Reaper guy, like. 10 times before he dies and like if he sees you he's gonna send like little ghosties after you which are hard for you to take down because they're like flying around in a weird pattern um yeah this this is one of those games that feels like it kicks you when you're down and like eases off um when you're already powerful um which is so backwards um that like it rewards you for already being powerful with more power um so like one of the 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 thing that happened to me where uh you know I I played my way through through this game sort of like normally um and you know was was having a a a fun time going kind of slow um but then you finish the game and it's like starts right back over um except now you have the uh strength level and the power ups and stuff and you can just play the whole game again um and playing the whole game again was way more fun like way more fun because then it just becomes um the sort of like arrow sling in like action game during the the first three levels and you know sort of a a cool dungeon explorer in in the dungeon sections um and like i honestly got played through the game three more times in this like new game plus sort of like powered up mode because it was so fun oh that's so interesting but now that you're saying that like i can totally see how that's true like doing those first levels but being powerful enough to not have to like constantly be fighting for hearts would be super fun and that actually makes a lot more sense with so the 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 final screen like i was talking about it changes depending on how many points you have um again i didn't realize this until afterwards i was like looking up information about the game because i think i got like the lowest ending which is essentially um like uh Palutena like is like hey thanks for your help getting rid of Medusa and like um you Pitt is represented as a number of different things I was like a farmer where it's like great like okay I'm out of hell and now I am a farmer um but you know you get right. like bigger and buffer and like I think the last one you could be is like a soldier a centurion or something and it makes sense that like oh 
it would be easier to get those like those better endings if you were playing uh like your second or third time through the game yeah and that was definitely true for me too where like the my first time through um there is like a version of pit that just has like the centurion helmet on um and so like that that's what i got my first time through and then the second time is when he like doubles in size and is just palutena's size um but is like beefy and like flexing um and it, it it's it's cool to see like those little bits of change and especially when you are um like replaying it like new game plus style um that like uh it doesn't take it doesn't take that long like you can you can do a lap through this game when you're powered up in about an hour right like um and it just is like a, a fun quick rewarding thing to do yeah and like again like so I, I not cheated, but like I did not play this way the game the way it was intended. Like I did not um yeah. map out the dungeons. I like saw that that's what it wanted me to do. I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that. So the first dungeon you can brute force pretty easily. It's not like yeah. it's not too big. It's not it's uh you can't really get lost. And so, you know, it's pretty easy to just like make your way through it, um, figure out where you're supposed to go end up at the boss and the bosses in this game i did not find challenging or i didn't find them too challenging i found them like an appropriate amount of difficulty i find the bosses in this game to be kind of a bummer um especially like to, to my mind what's so interesting about the dungeons is that uh you've got this like laid out all, all these centurion statues are like all over the place um, and like, you can sort of like, t you know, mentally make note of like where you saw them so that you can come back with hammers or if you already have hammers, you can set them free. Um, and it becomes a really cool, like, you're like, okay, I I've got, I've got 15 centurions. Like this is great. I'm going to storm in there. It's going to be awesome. And the centurions, uh, join you three at a time and they can each take one hit and then they disappear. Yeah. Um, they didn't seem to do any they're damage. Useless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean they 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 shoot when you shoot, right? So, um that's that's the only way to make them deal damage is to uh be dealing damage yourself. And so they can be helpful on like um on Pandora, the 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 third boss, um and uh on the first one whose name is it's obviously Cerebus, but they call him uh twin bellows um and uh but uh the the sort of like serpent thing that like jumps in and out of the lava yeah. whose name is huge raw um will just knock your centurions like right out of the sky in like the second they come down um so it sort of invalidates what i see as like the coolest mechanic of the of, of the dungeons where it's like free all these things they'll help you in the boss fight and then they just don't totally they just beef it Do you know what i think because like i ended up not even really bothering with the centurions towards the end because it was like yeah like Smart. i don't you're not useful what i think would have been cool is if instead of having them at the end of each like a uh, dungeon help you is if they helped you in like the side scrolling level at the end like you had this entire oh, yes. like army that was following you that would have been that would have been cool but oh, before I get side, before we like, because I do think we should talk about that like final level. But uh, yes. what I originally want to say about the dungeons is that, like, yeah, like I, I, I didn't keep track of how long this game took me to beat take, how long it took me to beat the game the first time. But it couldn't have been more than like four hours, maybe. Um, 
And but that is because like for that third dungeon especially, I was like, I I uh, I'm just using a guide to tell me where to go because I third did not want to map is, it out. Is, is a problem. I did map it out. Like I got out paper and folded it into 64 pieces and I made a map and I feel like a maniac. Um, but I've got it all color coded so I know where all the centurions are. I wrote down, uh, you know, where there are those weird spear rooms where the spears come out. Um, I wrote down every eggplant wizard, every eggplant hospital, every health spring, every store location, and the boss. Um, and just like what ladders are one way ladders, what things, what doors you can go both ways. Um, and it took me forever to map this place out. But on my subsequent playthroughs, it means I could just like run right to the boss um, and not mess around with the centurions at all. Um, we'll post that on like our, our, our Twitter or something, but like, um, it was very useful. And now I want to keep this forever. I know this, I know this document exists online already. I know it does, but this one's mine. I made it. How did you, how do you feel about like the, um, cause I think what makes Kid Icarus unique or at least among Nintendo franchises is it does have this, um, like these two mechanics and really three mechanics that make up the game, but it's like, Oh, you got, you have platforming. Yeah. Then you have this like self-contained dungeon and the, which is kind of its own thing. And then you go back to platforming. Um, and then at the very end, you have this like side scroller, which is unlike anything that's in the rest of the game. I, I felt like it actually felt like cohesive. Like it made sense where it was like, okay, yes. like I have done the, I've gotten done the platforming to get to the dungeon and now unlike a mario game where like the dungeon is kind of more the same it's like and now here's a different kind of challenge befitting this kind of this uh end of the world yeah i this game does something that i think is really remarkable for um you know early nes games is that it, it genuinely feels like the scope of it is big right um like it feels when when you are doing the the first couple of worlds and you're just traveling vertically, it can feel like a bummer, right? Like it it is a a weird challenge, and you know we both talked about how like we don't like that the platforms like disappear and you can easily fall and die doing like simple platforming, but then you're sort of set free by this like rudimentary dungeon that like is like okay no we're gonna chill out a second. There's no like insta death here, like you know learn you know learn to get around this space and then and like you know we're saying there are like three different games within this game but i really think the second world where it's uh uh the horizontal scrolling um is a totally different flavor than the vertically scroll it totally feels different absolutely um so that by the time like and it, it it makes it feel like you're on a journey. Like first you're, you're getting out of hell and then you're traveling across the earth and then you're traveling up to heaven and then you're flying through the heavens. Like it does such a great job of convincing you of this absurd scale. And by the time you are battling Medusa, who by the, when you get to her is a giant head that takes up like half the screen. Um, and this is, you know, in, in an era before sprites that could even be that big. Like, I'm not totally sure how they achieved the illusion of it. Um, like, it's just, it, it just, it feels appropriately epic. Yeah, it really does. And uh, you're, it's such a good point about, like, 
the vertical scrolling turning into the horizontal scrolling and then vertical again kind of like telling that story because you really the environments especially in the 3ds version which benefit from the background again like really uh tell that story without having it to be like without having to be explicitly spelled out in like a cutscene or dialogue or anything like that um speaking of the story uh i do want to get into why is this called kid icarus let's unpack all of it man because like it it is definitely it's called kid icarus but the title screen says like angel land kid icarus right like angel land is some part of like the title maybe <laughs> and it, it uses it uses like the, some of the trappings of you know like greek or roman times and themes and it has like medusa yeah. and all this kind of stuff but the story at least in its translated like localized version is about like angels yeah just angels well and like You've got the they're like the two main uh, like deities, the two main forces in this game are Medusa, who is like the queen of the dead, right? She's sort of like Hades in this, um, and uh, Palutena, who is made up, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> like for for all of the for all of the things that like this is borrowing clearly from like uh, Greek mythology, and you know, like I, I mentioned, one of the bosses' names is Pandora. Um, but like, don't, don't dare confuse that with like a, a girl who opens uh, the box with all the world's evil in it. It's really just a face that floats around the room. And like, maybe the face is a little black facey and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, there's a boss called twin bellows, um, who is basically Cerberus. It's a three headed dog. Right. Um, so like there, it is borrowing so much, but like refuses to commit to it. And I cannot tell you why, but like. Kid Icarus feels like the same thing, right? Where it's like, we're borrowing the idea of Icarus, the boy with wings, uh, with uh, Daedalus's wings, but we're not actually doing it. We're just borrowing the superficial idea of it. Yeah, and I and I feel like that's probably, like you're saying, why it got the title Kid Icarus. Um, because it's just like, okay, like Icarus is something that people are familiar with. And so we can... If, uh, it evokes an idea, I guess, of like the setting, even though it isn't it specifically. We will call it Kid Icarus because Pitt is a child. But th- as far as I can tell, that's it. Like that's as far as it went. It's purely just banking on the name recognition of Icarus. Yeah, which is, I mean, it, it's it's a choice. What what is the? Uh, uh, I I haven't actually read the like story. Should should I read the the tale of Kid Icarus from the instruction manual? Uh, sure. Uh, It reads like this. It's several pages. Uh, Let us go back to the distant past, to an age when the gods and man lived together in harmony. There There was once a kingdom called Angel Land. This kingdom was ruled by two beautiful goddesses, Palutena, who administered light, and Medusa, who ruled darkness. Palutena lived in the palace in the sky and administered light so that man could live in happiness. And bathed in the light, man grew, man grew food and lived in peace. However, Medusa, the goddess of darkness, was different. Medusa hated mankind. She took great pleasure in drying up crops that man took great pains to grow and in turning people into stone statues. Oh, so she's also turning people into stone. <laughs> in her anger, Palutena changed Medusa into an ugly monster and banished her to the deep, dark underworld. 
For, be, uh, for being changed into this ugly monster and forced to live in the underworld, Medusa promised to take over the palace in the sky where Palutena lived. So great was Medusa's anger that she joined forces with the other monsters and evil spirits of the underworld, and Medusa's army soon began to surpass Palutena's army's strength. Soon a war between Palutena and Medusa began. Medusa led a surprise attack on Palutena's army, which could barely fend off the attack. Palutena's army suffered major losses and was heavily defeated in the final battle. What's more, Medusa's army took the three sacred treasures, the mirror shield, the arrow of light, and the wings of Pegasus, away from them. Almost all the warriors in Palutena's army were turned into stone statues, and Palutena herself was imprisoned deep in the palace in the sky. The peaceful realm of Angel Land came to be inhabited by foul and terrible monsters, and was turned into a land of darkness, ruled by the wicked Medusa. There's a few more pages of this. I'm almost done. Uh, Locked in the depths of the palace in the sky, Pelotena's strength was drained to its last. As a last resort, she sought the help of an angel youth of, of the angel youth Pitt, who was being held prisoner locked deep in a dungeon in the underworld. Pitt was a valiant warrior who used to be in charge of Pelotena's personal bodyguards. Armed with a bow and arrow uh, brought to him through Pelotena's magical strength, Pitt, uh, Pitt attempted an escape from the underworld. The uh, the guard at this time was low. What? The guard at this time was low in number as Medusa's army had advanced to the palace in the sky. Pitt succeeded in his escape and set out for his long adventure to rescue Palutena. Yet to defeat Medusa, he had to get the three sacred treasures. Will Pitt be able to restore Palutena's light and return it to Angel Land? Only you can answer that question. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see what Sakurai, you know, like, there's a lot there that if you wanted to tell a story, I mean, I have no idea what the uh, um, the story in Kid Icarus Uprising is, but there's a lot there that, that you could go into. Again, the central question of why it's called Kid Icarus. Um, yeah, great question. Remains. Remains. <laughs> um, uh... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, do, uh, I don't know that I have a ton to say about it, but the the final level in the game is, you know, like a side scroller. And um, it is, it's an interesting change of pace. And like you're saying, like, as far as like the story goes or telling like the experience of the game where it's like, and now um, you're attacking the heaven in the heavens. And so it becomes this flying game because there's no plat, there aren't very many platforms like that is cool. Um, but it doesn't feel, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it. Cause on the one hand, like it's unlike anything that came previous in the game. So like, it's not like you're learning, you were mastering these skills and now you're right. putting them to use in the last level. On the other hand, it's, uh, because it's so different, it actually kind of feels climactic in a way where it's like, oh, this is different than anything that has come before. Like, this is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that's a bummer about it to me is, and it it starts with like a you know a black screen and text on it that says like Pitt equips the three treasures and like goes after Medusa, um, and the three treasures are the mirror shield, the light arrows, and the wings of Pegasus, and you you are just you you have collected the third of those treasures, but you collected the first two like earlier in the game, but you don't use them earlier in the game if you like could use the mirror shield while you were playing like levels two and three. And then also the light arrows while you're playing, you know, level three, like that would be interesting. And then the wings of Pegasus being the thing that's like, all right, bam up in the air. 
um that that feels so much cooler um but like it's just not it's it's not really building to that one thing it's just like now we're flipping that on yeah and i i feel like that's kind of a problem throughout the entire game is like level to level it would be cool if you know like um as you got more power your arrows got like more range or something like that but those two mechanics are like divorced from each other so it's like you're getting more powerful and so you can defeat enemies like marginally faster but it doesn't really nothing else about pit is changing and that feels like would be something that's cool where it's like okay i'm getting more powerful like my arrows are shooting like uh like in castlevania with like a whip right as you like level up uh as the whip levels up you get more reach like you are feeling more powerful and then it gets reset and like uh the way that this game like bifurcates those two mechanics where it's like yes you're getting more powerful but like being able to shoot a lot further is like this weapon upgrade that you have to buy it just doesn't really like feel like pit is getting any cooler yeah well and this is the kind of thing that like there's also like such a limited like visual palette of like telling you when things do change for pit like there are some color palette changes sometimes when uh when you get stronger and like because the game can only run so many colors at a time it means it changes everything and maybe that's not the experience on um, no it is it is uh, 3d it is okay um which is it's just wild that like it has to change the whole palette um where it's like, this is the kind of thing that I feel like would be ironed out in a super Kid Icarus, right? Where um, the changes to his abilities would be obvious, like what you have equipped and not equipped, how to use items. Like everything would just be, um, you know, just ironed out. Like I feel like the game, this feels like a, a rough draft version of, of this game. Um, and in reality, it just means it's a 1986 version of this game. But you're totally right. I feel like when you what you were saying about Metroid and Super Metroid is so spot on where it needed that Super Metroid-esque refinement to really like yeah. solidify how this game could work because the ideas are cool um and some of them are funny and it's like an interesting take on uh you know like how to do power-ups and like having this credit card mechanic and all that stuff is so interesting but it feels like such a rough draft. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and it's also like it's steeped in the, you know, to speak to the, like the ni- to the 1986 of it all is like you know, it's still like rooted in like high score chasing, which is, you know, is su- such a relic of like, you know, ar- arcade gaming and like it's not an arcade game, right? Like it's very clearly a, a an at-home adventure that you're going to spend several hours on and write down passwords and whatever um but like yeah that it's all like kind of locked behind chasing a high score that upgrades you um in kind of invisible ways um yeah it's 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 all stuff that just needs to be made more obvious um but i mean you you mentioned that uh earlier you were like i you did enjoy this game um i really really loved playing this game the last couple days especially after after like clearing my first playthrough and like doing my careful map of uh world three four um where like i could just like run through the game and feel powerful like it's a fun game when you've got your mind wrapped around it yeah i and i I, you had mentioned it before and so that's why i played the 3ds uh classics version and that is hands down 
the one I recommend to anybody if it is available to you. Uh, yes. The quality of life improvements are just, they're priceless. Like, it is worth uh, the cost of the game, which is not that expensive. I think it's like, it's less than 10 bucks for sure. But um, yeah, I, I really liked it. And what I found surprising about, like, I l- liked it in the sense that you could, there are different ways to play this game. And that was fun and exciting to me, where it was like, you can yeah. go like r- slow and you can try to like max your power and do all that kind of stuff. Or you can just try to like book it. And and by doing that, you're uh, not going to have as many power-ups. You're not going to be as strong, but it uh, is it makes the game easier in some ways. You just have to be like crafty in the dungeons where like the strength really pays off. Yeah. Yep. Um, before we never have an opportunity to talk about them again, how did you feel seeing the uh, the Metroids in this game? The Metroids? Yeah. So they call them uh, Komoyata, Komoyato. Um, they're, they're just like one of the like little sets of like flying guys um, that you start to see in World 3 um, in your ascent to the, uh, to the heavens. They're like little Metroids. Oh, I don't think I made the connection at all. Um, it you know it was being developed by a lot of the same people. Um, and like as as the I, I was reading up a little bit on like the development process for this game, which um started off with like a much more serious tone, uh, and then they started adding things like the Groucho Marx glasses and the credit card and the Metroid, and they were like, well, forget it. It's just fun and funny and weird. Um, and now forever, that's what Kid Icarus is. <laughs> yeah i so i'm i'm looking at the uh list of enemies because after you said the metroid thing but i'm looking at this list and i feel like the sprite work does not do these characters justice because it's like oh the pluton yeah, fly the drawings are wild. a flying robber and it's like what i don't remember this being in the game at all what is it who's this guy who's this big like muscular guy who's blowing fire like uh so I think there's a lot of nuance in the um, uh, art that did not make it into the the pixel form. Yeah, no, I I agree with that one 100%. This is a game that certainly, like, I almost wish everyone had to play it with a, like, a a Nintendo power that broke down everything. Like, you know, said, okay, when you go into this room, here are the things you're going to encounter. Here's what they mean them to look like. Here's what it's called. Here's what it does. Um, and yeah, like, here are your options on how to deal with it. Because again, the game just simply does not uh, <laughs> does not spell anything out for you. Is it, uh, you were saying that this shared some development staff with Metroid. Does that also mean that it shared development staff with Super Mario Land? Because this game reminded me of Super Mario Land in the way that it's like just kind of like weird and it has mechanics that like are close to what you're familiar with, but are off in just like enough of a way where you're like, this is kind of bizarre. Like this whole thing is so bizarre. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, and I, I, uh, I wanted to touch briefly on um, just the uh, different ways that Kid Icarus is represented um, in other uh, sort of like N- Nintendo games. Um, uh, m- most notably, and the one that I went back to uh, to visit, was uh, it appears in um, NES Remix Volume Two on the Wii U, um, and I, I like after playing it a bunch the last couple of days, I was like, oh, what are the individual challenges that it like, you know, stakes out for you? Um, and it's hard because the game doesn't really have individual challenging moments. It's more like 
uh, a big smear of challenge from beginning to end. Um, and uh, the the individual challenges that it pulls out are like, uh, get affected by the eggplant curse, uh, get healed, and then like now kill the eggplant wizard without getting uh, hit by the curse. Um, so in perfect NES remix fashion, it teaches you how to play the games. Um, it, 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 so it's, it, it was cool to see that there um, now, like revisiting that. There are also some like really neat um, remixes of levels where um, it's the vertical scrolling levels, but the camera is constantly uh, like drifting to the right <laughs> um, because because the games are are you know based on like a, a wraparound mechanic, right? Like you walk off the right side of the screen and you appear on the left side, um, which means that it is infinite, right? And so it just like the the camera just sort of like constantly rotates the thing. Um, which was another kind of like cool way to uh, experience the game and made me wish that like the whole game really did that. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Man, I wish they would bring those uh, remix games to Switch. I would oh, love to play they're them. They're so good. <laughs> they're so good. Um, and then obviously we talked about uh, Pit being in um, the Smash Brothers games, uh, starting with Brawl and then, you know, the the rest of the, uh, with Smash 4, Palutena, and Dark Pit being, like, additional characters there. Um, but then, Mark, do you remember the... Oh, I'm going to forget the name of it now, but the Saturday morning cartoon with the kid who, like, traveled into his Nintendo, and he had a uh, an NES controller belt buckle, and he carried, like, a zapper with him, and his buddies were Simon Belmont, Mega Man, and Kid Icarus. I believe you're talking about Captain N, the Game Master. Uh, yes, I am talking about Captain N. That's right. For a long time, that was that was my like strongest impression of, of Kid Icarus. Yeah, and I never really watched this show growing up. And so I remember seeing like GIFs from it later, you know, in uh, the internet life that these sort of things had. But at the time, again, blissful ignorance that this character even existed. <laughs> I mean, the thing that's very funny about that is like it's a weird, messed up, not accurate to the game portrayal of that character. But also, like the game doesn't feel like an accurate portrayal of the character. You know what I mean? Like everything's just so weird in the game. Uh, okay. Um, that's Kid Icarus. Mark, is this a game that you would recommend that people go back and revisit? Yeah, wholeheartedly. Uh, again, I think the 3DS version is the way to do it. Um, but with the NES Classic version being able to, or sorry, not the NES Classic version, but the NES Switch Online version being able to rewind yep. and kind of like correct those mistakes in real time would is also an interesting way to play it as well. Yeah, and uh, I say same, and you know, but I, I think actually between those two ways to play it, um, it's it's perfect, right? Because like if you are having a, a little bit of a uh, tough time uh, wrapping your head around the uh, 3D Classics version, the ability to rewind like takes all of the the stress of like the weird platforming out of there. Um, you can just try it again until you get it right. Uh, also, either be interested in mapping out the dungeons, especially the third dungeon, or just look up a map. Like I, I there, there's no harm, there's no like shame in that. It is too complicated of a level with too many sort of like recursive paths yeah. and dead ends and uh, like do yourself a favor and like look up maps for those. Um, and I, I guess also you can haggle. Mark, this is wild. I can't <laughs> believe there's a mechanic of this game. I didn't know. 
You know, I'm excited to check out the Game Boy game for next week because that could either, I feel like that could easily go uh, bad real fast. Yeah, no, and, and this is my fear because like, I don't know that I've ever gotten out of the first level in the Game Boy game. Uh, and obviously we'll talk more about it next week, but like, yeah, I, I, th- this game has so many hurdles to loving it and I cleared those hurdles and now I love it. Um, but I just, I, I'm now looking at a different set of hurdles on like a Game Boy screen and I'm like, oof, all right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to Uprising too. I think this is going to be, this going to be a fun month. Uh, all right, Mark, let's close this out. If you're playing along with us, we would love to know what your experiences are with Kid Icarus so far, or if you have any observations about Kid Icarus of myth and mo- Myths and Monsters for next week. So you can always email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. It helps us out tremendously. When you do, you know you've got someone in your life who wants to hear us talk about uh, Kid Icarus on the NES. Um, that's always a, a hot topic of, of conversation. Look, is this a weird, outdated topic that like we, we have no business talking about it at this point in 2021? Maybe, but I'm having a good time. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at NinCart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments, like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. (laughs) Campfire.